0: What's up, Warriors? Welcome again to another wonderful, wacky Warrior Wednesday. I like all the alliteration there, so I hope that uh you all enjoy that as well. So, yes, another Warrior Wednesday. We're so thankful you're joining us here tonight. Tonight is just another example of what we do here at Protector's Toolkit, and that's our guiding biblical principle, right? Proverbs 18:15 says this: an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, in the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. In the easy to read version of the Bible, the one that I have to go to sometimes, and the one that I point my Marine Corps friends to is this wise people want to learn more so they listen closely to gain knowledge that's just a little joke there we all know marines don't read so uh, and i call you a warrior here on warrior wednesday you all are warriors if you're serving at your church and making sure that the place that you serve in, everybody can have a safe and secure worship environment, then you are a warrior. You are out there doing it. You are working on the wall with a sword in one hand and being watchful over the flock. So I want to thank you for that. And the reason I call you that is because we learn early on in the Bible, Exodus 15, three, it says the Lord is a warrior the lord is his name so we are all know that we're created in his image so thank you all warriors for doing what you do at your church oscar i see you already joining us from elgin texas you guys have some good sausage out there i hear is that about right um so let's get into what i'm talking about tonight we i i am just honored uh and and tickled to have my friend rick whitehead here on tonight now rick's back background uh, is full of achievements and accolades um I could spend probably the whole broadcast tonight reading everything that he has done and achieved in his career. Ray Coates, I see you joining us. Thank you. Uh, Suffice it to say, if it can be done, he's done it. First, serving in his country honorably in the greatest fighting force on the face of the planet, the United States Army, and then working in the United States of Texas in law enforcement for decades. He continues to serve then in the private sector, doing everything from uh, forensic statement analysis Uh, teaching background checks, teaching leadership, uh, and uh, field training officer programs all over the nation. So I do want to introduce you all to my friend uh, Rick Whitehead from Richard Whitehead and Associates. Richard, thank you for joining
1: us here tonight. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: So, you know, I, I said, I mean, I could just read that resume or that pedigree if you want. I could just read that probably for about 30 minutes. Can you uh, give, us a, give us a snapshot, the Cliff Notes version? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and then bring us up to speed with what you're doing now.
1: Grew up in the Missouri, went in the Army, was a military policeman. After that, I was a policeman in a suburb of Houston for five and a half years. And then 25 years with the Travis County Sheriff's Office, where promoted up to the rank of captain. Led virtually every aspect of the agency, SWAT commander, major crime commander, uh, communications, uh, field training program. Retired from there in 2010. During my time with the sheriff's office, I started a training company in the mid-90s based on a field training program I designed that grew legs outside the agency. And now in my retirement in the Pacific Northwest, I train and consult in public safety
0: Awesome. Now I don't I don't know that cops like you, maybe cops like me. I don't know if we ever really retire. You know, when we have something like a like a heart mission, like I feel like your job is right now. I feel it's a real heart mission for you to continue to do what you do. And obviously, you know some of the behind the scenes stuff that go into that. It, it's just years and years and years of working at it and honing it and sharpening it. Quite frankly, into the product that it is now. And and I'll just tell you, uh, I I came across Rick. Uh, I attended one of his uh, classes. Uh, that was taught by one of his cadre and I was just so uh, incredibly blown away by the level of instruction and I've been through a number of hours of training uh, in my time if you can imagine and that what what his company and his instructor brought to the table just uh, far exceeded uh, not only my expectations but anything I had seen in that in that realm before and as an instructor myself I made sure that I went up and talked to that instructor and said how impressed I was with that and so uh, I, I can't recommend them enough. If you have any needs out there, I, I highly encourage you to seek them out. Um, so Warriors, for you joining us right now, I see uh, Ray Coates joining us. Carson, always good to see you out there, Oscar. Uh, right now, here's the challenge for you. Hit that share button down below. Make sure you share this with somebody that's going to be blessed by this right now. We're going to get into talking about backgrounds and specifically, you know, backgrounds for uh, essential personnel within the church safety and security space, what that looks like, why it's important, who it's important to do it for, uh, and, and all those things that go into that. And I'm going to give you the, the, what I consider the great eight reasons uh, for having a background check for your essential personnel in your church. So if you are joining us right now, make sure you're sharing this with somebody uh, that's going to be blessed by this right now. That's the challenge. And then also... Comment in here where you're from, where you're watching from, the church you represent, so we can get to you and, and talk to you personally as well. And then don't forget, any questions that come up throughout this uh, presentation, make sure you drop dropping those in the comments section, too. Don't be shy. We're all friends in here, uh, and uh, we'll get along just fine like that. So, Rick, let me just jump into this real quick. Um, I think I know the answer to this question, but our background check's important.
1: Very important, especially these days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, background checks for when you're talking about church, you think, uh, number one, the people that handle children. But a lot of times we have to think a little bit beyond that scope, just the people that handle kids. We also want to make sure that we're thinking about the people uh, that work in that ministry, in the children's ministry, even if they're not directly uh, working with the kids. We're also thinking about maybe uh, pastors, pastors need background checks. And of course our safety and security team members, uh, because those are the guys and gals that may have a lot of what's called, uh, or consider classified information or the behind the curtain scenes information about the church. So we also want to make sure that we're doing that. And Zoff, my good friend, I'm so glad you're joining me tonight, man. I need to have you on the program as a matter of fact, to talk about all your wonderful wildlife photography, photography or about your cast iron skillets. Uh, so Richard, what, uh, you know, in your experience, what type of information can a background check find uh, or possibly expose to us?
1: Well, it's going to expose the criminal aspect for sure, uh, as long as that's played its, itself out. And depending on the level of access of the background investigator that you hire, whether they can find stuff that's in progress or not, that somebody may be trying to get under the curtain that you don't know about yet. And mm-hmm. that all would depend on the level of investigation you have done and how much you're willing to to spend, how important it is to you. And in the ministry, and I'm honored to be here and talking about this with you and what the work that you do on that side of the field, that's just amazing. Because churches still today are, are considered such a, in our in our minds, a soft target. And people yeah. don't think about the Necessity of doing things to protect it, whether it's the physical security and security of the people to the internal security from the background checks, whether it's for the the integrity of the ministry. I mean, just one bad news clip will will destroy a ministry if you have the wrong person in there and they expose that church to to something Uh, from handling the money. uh, Like you said, the pastors, you know, I can. I was naive when I first got into law enforcement decades ago about the realities of the world. And then you end up having a, you know, a a preacher or two get arrested in compromising situations. And you're just like, wow, how's, but it's, you know, it's the flesh. And, and as, as as much as we try to conquer that, it's still alive and well, and we gotta be, we gotta be vigilant.
0: Yeah, that's so absolutely true. I, I like that. You brought up the soft target. Uh, I recently did a virtual risk assessment for a church and I put in there, you know, I, I outlined uh, some of the things they had going really well. You know, I like to expose those as well as the opportunities. And I said, uh, in, in its current condition, the church is this church would be considered a soft target. And they challenged me on that. They, I guess that's not wording or or something they had heard before. And they asked me, you know, why are we a soft target? And I had to explain that to them, you know, just just a couple of guys that show up on Sunday uh, having guns does not harden your target in any way it doesn't harden your church in any way it's it's a good it's a good start it's a good thought process uh, but you're still by and large you're using hope as a strategy in that if you don't have plans policies and procedures uh, you don't have any qualified quality training going into your program from outside sources uh, and you're not insurable which is a big one you know um, then we have to understand that yeah you're still going to be a soft target as much as you don't want to be you're still considered a soft target. And most churches, uh, like you said, around the nation are still soft targets. I don't know if they if they understand that and they have the right humility to look at uh, internally like that. But it, yeah, you're so absolutely right. And, that, and that's another reason we have background checks. When we start hardening our churches and getting the right people into positions, uh, we do it through background checks. And then we start working on the holistic approach to church safety and security and and working towards hardening that. Caleb, I, uh, Ray, I see your question here, or I, your comment you learned from your local PD guru, uh, that it's normal for a child molester to have uh, molested more than 200 children before they are caught, yep. Uh, there just doesn't seem to be a way to catch these people if law enforcement hasn't caught them and they don't have a record. You know, that brings up a, a great uh, learning point here. What I've had to do at my church and I've, I've recommended to other churches is do that one mile to two mile radius search around your church uh, for those registered sex offenders. Now that is only gonna be the ones that have been caught and they are currently in the system. Every year, most states require them to show up to a local police department and take their picture, take a current picture. And so that is also public information. You can get that from your local law enforcement agency uh, through taking the right steps. And so we put that in a notebook, uh, what, what we call our pass down log at our church and we frequent that and we flip through that frequently so we see their faces and maybe we can recognize them when they show up on our campus. Now, the, the trouble for us as a church is that, you know, the church safety and security ministry is not about stopping anyone's salvation. It's not about getting in the way of anyone's salvation, but it is about making sure that there is a safe and secure worship environment for everybody that is in our campus. So this person, if they show up, um, Unless they are unless they are violating some sort of terms of their agreement, we're not to stand in the way of their salvation. We have to have a plan and a procedure for this. And it may be that they get a personal escort from one of our team members everywhere they want to go in the church. That may just be what we have to do. But by by being subjective with that and, and waiting until it happens before we do anything, uh, we're going to fail in that process. So uh, Ray, make sure you hit me up if you want some more information about that. Uh, my you know my email, my phone's always open to you, brother.
1: Can I add to that? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the to his point, somebody passing a background check and wanting to work in the church or be a volunteer in the child ministry, uh, a simple rule for the church is nobody works alone. That way, there's always another adult there that is eyes and ears. It's not well. I was going to say it's not a trust issue, but it absolutely is a trust issue. It's just yeah it's for everybody's safety. i I couldn't be a school teacher because these days, you know a, a young girl gets mad at a teacher, they make an allegation, that teacher can never outrun that. right? And it's just, it's just an allegation because they got mad. it's It's just the world we're living today. So I would say nobody works alone.
0: yeah, absolutely. we We call it uh, protecting testimony, right? I'm going right. to protect the testimony and every, in everybody in that room by having a, a, a two teacher ratio in that room. And then in addition to that, and I think Ray, you've talked about this before, Ray Coates is having cameras in those nurseries, in those child areas. That is just another backup to protect the testimony of those workers uh, that are in that room. So yeah, great call out right. on that. You know, Rick, you talked about um, the, the different levels of background checks. So, you know, let's get into that a little bit. I, I mean, some of them are. Can they just be surface level, or and some of them can go deeper? or What's been your experience?
1: Well, depending on who you hire, I mean, you can hire somebody that just gets on their home computer and logs into the state registry and searches sex offenders and and gets a cursory level. I mean, you can go. Anybody can go online and pay thirty dollars for a background check, right? And and how deep is that going? You know, they they're getting some court, you know, some public records that are court records and and things like that. So you can find out a little life history on where they've lived and if they've had any lawsuits or stuff like that, but it's not really a, a deep dive. Somebody that's in the profession of doing background investigations, they've invested in the software and other tools that gets them where the average person can't go and check records and see things that the average person can't see. And so by spending a little more money, you're going to get a much better product. And I, and just for the record, Folks, I my company does not do background investigations, so I'm not soliciting any business.
0: <laughs> yeah, we want to make sure that call to action doesn't go out there. Uh, but if you do want training in background investigations, he's the man to see for sure.
1: We do. Uh, train but you know, them. That, What's that we do train them, we just don't do them.
0: That's right. You know, that that brings up a good point. What you said, you know, some of the things to consider when if you want to do your own background check and pay, like he said, that 20 or 30 bucks to a database, that's fine. But what happens typically is you'll get multiple hits on a name. Um, Unless it's just some wild and crazy name like Guy Beveridge, you may not get a lot of hits on that. But if it's John Smith, you're going to get a ton of hits on that. So you're going to need to narrow that down. And then that that costs you even more money. That's why a trained background investigator, uh, someone who does it for a living and does have all those um, all those different tools available to them, we'll be able to narrow that down for you and find the person you're trying to find. Because if you just do a surface level like that, you're going to get multiple hits, and if you don't have any other identifying information about that person, it's almost too difficult. It's almost a needle in a haystack sometimes, uh, with the amount of people we have in uh, just in the United States alone. So, just keep that in mind when you when you when you're paying for these. Make sure you know what you're paying for, what level people are going to go to for you. Okay. Uh, Rick what what are some of the red flags that would probably stick out for us uh, in a background check um, especially if we're talking about someone working in the in the Sunday school
1: uh, Not a good address history or you know going back years being able to count for where they've lived um, if they've moved if they moved a lot that's not necessarily bad, but it could also be a flag so it would it would entail some questioning on. Why? Was it military related, job related, or were they moving to outrun, you know, what's going on in their life? And they relocated, you know, to, to stay ahead of bad news. Yep. So things like that, you know, uh, job history. Do they have, you know, people that you can talk to in the background that, that have known them for years? that can say, you know, this is what I know about them. And, and you can know somebody for years and still not know who they are, but still yep. to get those to get those impressions, uh, a good background investigator will go talk to their neighbors.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm going to guess you've done um, some applicant processing people that for Travis County alone uh, doing background checks in, in that regard. Right. Right. And so, you know, what, what is one of the questions we always ask? Well, do you know somebody else I should be talking to after, you know, cause they're going to list out, they're going to give us the names of people that they definitely want us to talk to and that they've already primed. But when we ask that question of those people, is there somebody else you think I could I should talk to? And that's just like talking to neighbors too. You know, somebody I'll find somebody in that chain that maybe you ruffled the feathers the wrong way. And I want to just see how you dealt with different situations. So yeah, we got to take it a couple of layers deep on
1: those things. Exactly. Another thing that we've incorporated in our background investigation training is statement analysis, forensic statement analysis. So when we identify something in the background that we have more questions about we ask them to write a you know write about it tell us about it and then we apply that forensic statement analysis to the words that they put on the page for us to determine whether they're the veracity of that
0: yeah always trust but verify right that's that's what i do in this yeah that's and and those same red flags would hold across for just about everybody for pastors uh for people working in your sunday school for money handlers Uh, And for your safety and security team members. You know, one of the things that you should be doing in your church safety and security ministry is number one, having an application process. Mm -hmm. Everybody Mm -hmm. fills out the same application and they turn it in. And then also that, you know, that leads you to your background. And then from there, you can get into an interview process. We want to make sure that we're interviewing people. Because, you know, this, we may have some questions that come out of the background that we just need clarification on, Uh, like Rick was saying about, you know, traveling around a lot that could just be military, uh, the transient nature of being in the military, Uh, or there could be something to that they're out running something from another state or something like that. And so a good interview process will allow us to kind of expand that just a little bit. And, uh, you know, kinesiology being what it is, you can sometimes pick up on a lot of clues because our bodies just aren't really good at hiding uh, when we're being uh, dishonest. And so, and, and then the, to the point of the forensic statement analysis too, if this is a high position in your church, if this is someone you're considering, let's say as a pastor, that's going to lead your congregation of 200, 300, 2,000, 3,000, that may be something you also consider that there, it should not be discounted for sure is just another layer because you know you can't hardly pick up a paper or or look at the internet anymore without seeing it, it's, it certainly is on one side of the aisle more than others, but I, I don't think that means that we don't have it on the Christian side uh, as much as they have it on the Catholic side. I think they just, you know, been covering it up for a lot longer. So we, we've got to understand this is a trust position and we, it, we could not go to enough lengths for someone like that. That's going to lead an entire flock or an entire church. So just make sure.
1: And they shouldn't be scared of that. If somebody is legitimately on a position and is legitimately qualified they're not scared of a background investigation. No, absolutely not.
0: Absolutely not. Um, so, you know, we run background checks. Uh, should we? Should these be recurring? Uh, should we have them on a schedule to recur once a year, two every two years? What do you think?
1: I think depending on the position and the budget of the church, you know, and their level of access to annually, to every few years, to just once, just depending on how you're comfortable are with them and how sensitive a spot are they in?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason for that, uh, if if you're not thinking through this is because I could, I could look really good on paper. I could pass a background check. My interview was, was really good, but then after I'm hired and after I get my position, then I start doing some things uh, outside of what is considered good taste. And I get uh, hooked up maybe by the, by police in a couple towns over. I don't report that to you all but that may be caught on a subsequent or follow-up background check a year or two years from then. So, yeah, trust but verify is in in everything we do, and that's just another form of that.
1: And that cursory follow-up is not going to be as expensive as the initial one. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, especially if you hire a reputable company. Uh, that works with you consistently, they're, they're going to discount that for sure. And if they're not, then then you may not be with a reputable company. Not saying they aren't, but just think through that. There are other companies out there that may help you. Your church insurance company may be a great resource for this as well. You do pay them a premium, and that may be a, a something that they have for you that they can help uh, help you out with. Uh, the question that goes unanswered or unasked is the one that goes unanswered. So reach out to your church insurance company to see if that's right. something they can do with and deferring the cost, maybe and maybe defer, uh, deferring some of the cost for you. Um, any personal stories you have you want to share about, you know, background checks either worked, didn't work, uh, missed something?
1: If you're an interviewer, then try to get some basic training in how to conduct that interview. For example, a while ago when you were talking, I started swiveling in my chair when you were talking about kinesiology because the Lord made us not to be deceptive. So when we are deceptive, our body is in conflict with itself and that energy has to be expelled somewhere. So if if somebody is interviewing me and I get uncomfortable, or interviewing you or whoever it is, if somebody is uncomfortable in that interview, they're going to start moving. So one of the, the simple things you can do in an interview is put the interviewee in a swivel chair. Mm-hmm. So when when you ask a question that does bother them, and it may be a legitimate question, and I'll give you an example of that in here in just a minute. But if it makes them uncomfortable, they're going to start expelling that energy, whether they're swiveling in that chair, whether they're moving their arms or twitching their foot or whatever they're doing, the body has to expel that energy. That's the way the Lord made us. So if you're, if you've had some basic training in that, you can see those signs of, you know, okay, they're uncomfortable now. Why are they uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. And, And explore, explore that reason and to give you a personal story from a, one of my associates that used to do background investigations. He had a lady applying for a position and he got down and he was, she was doing great. She had passed uh, or there was one thing on the polygraph when they did a polygraph was, you know, have you ever broke the law? And she said, no, but it spiked the polygraph. So mm-hmm. that they brought her back in for another interview and, you know, no, 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 no. And yeah. Uh, interviewer the background guy finally you know got her comfortable enough to to you know to what is the deal how come you know what's why is this spiking you know what you know why does this question make you uncomfortable and what had happened was as a teenager very young in her life she had got an abortion and while Mm -hmm. abortions are legal and were legal when she got it it bothered her psychologically and to her it was wrong so when she was asked that question while the truth was no, internally it was yes. So mm-hmm. that's why it spiked. So we just took the interviewer being able to break down those barriers and keep asking the questions to finally get to the root of what was bothering her and making her uncomfortable. And it was legal and okay, but her body didn't reflect that. And, and that's one of the tricks to being a good interviewer is being able to work through that and know where that's coming from.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, all the different tactics and techniques that go into it, uh, all the different angles that try to approach a question from and come back to. Uh, it, it's really, um, you know, I've gone through the read and I've gone through Wicklander. And it, it's so, it's so amazing to me, the things you pick up on, but more importantly, the way I have to say them or should say them to elicit responses from you. And you brought, you know, that energy has to be expelled. We teach that on the firing range, right? We don't want energy leaks, that's why we put our off hand in the, into our chest while we're going one handed. Uh, we we gotta we gotta conserve that energy. We don't want it leaking out. But that's what happens uh, when someone's on the spot and they're being deceptive. Their body has to leak that energy out. It, it cannot keep it bottled up inside uh, very well for very long. So right. perfect. Yeah, perfect.
1: And there's several signs they can learn in a basic interview class, just in a one day class or a two day class. That you know somebody that's un- that's uncomfortable, they will eventually get face the door, you know, whatever they find the way out, they'll get face that door and their feet will be in a runner position and they won't yeah. know it. it yeah. It'll be subconscious to them, but they're uncomfortable and their body knows that's the way out and they'll be pointed that way.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The The sympathetic nervous system is just such a great system. It, it, it gives you away every single time. It's uh, I'm glad I learned about that early in my law enforcement career. It led me to a lot of good arrests. Right. <laughs> Uh, anything you want to add to you know background checks, especially when we're talking about the church safety and security team and and you know all that all that goes into that? Anything you think I missed or want to add to
1: just to emphasize that the background check is the foundation, is going to be the foundation of your ministry and getting the right people in there. And and the trust but verify is a great way to say it. Your, you want to trust them. You want to have good people, but if you don't do your due diligence, it just takes one person to destroy that ministry and, and, and the credibility of that ministry and could, you know, sideline and that, that pastor, the pastor might be great, but one person in that church that slipped through the cracks could destroy it for them.
0: Oh yeah, that is the truth. We've seen it time and time again in churches uh, where, where that does. And, and, it, and, you know, when you're talking about a rural church where you got, you know, a hundred to 150 people, that could end your church. It may be something you can't overcome or come back from. And right. so we've got to be very diligent in who we let into what I call the critical roles. So I'm going to run through, Warriors, I'm going to run through, and, you, and here's the opportunity to drop your questions into the comment section right now, uh, where you're watching from, the church you represent. Drop your comments in there or questions that you have. But I'm going to run through what I call the great eight reasons to run background checks on what uh, we consider the critical role applicants. That's your Sunday school team. Uh, your safety and security team, your pastor, your associate pastor, money handlers, and your church secretary. That's what I w- would consider the critical roles where we need to have a background check. So number one, we uh, we do ba- the reason we do background checks is provide a safe workplace for church employees and volunteers. When we tell people that we are a safe and secure church and we have a safety and security team, we also want to demonstrate that through what we're doing. Uh, Houston, I see you. Uh, Houston Johnson says, hello, Rick. Hey Houston, I'm gonna be
1: in Texas in June. Let's get together.
0: Yeah, he's he's uh he's the hot he's way up in my church. He's uh but I get to sit behind him, so that's kind of a benefit for me.
1: <laughs> Houston, Houston uh, is a great yeah, we've done a lot of stuff together.
0: Yeah, I'd like to hear some of those stories for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh one of the, number two is we we're hiring the most qualified people who will help to grow the church and not destroy it. Rick already talked about that. Uh, right there. uh, We're we're hiring qualified people, quality people within all those those, uh, roles that we talked about. So that's another reason to have a great background check. Number three, we're minimizing exposure from liability. Again, we're mitigating a lot of things in our church through the safety and security ministry, and liability is huge. And that's one of those things we should be working towards mitigating in everything. And we're practicing due diligence in the hiring process when we do this. Number four, we're encouraging and promoting honesty in the application and interview process. This is, again, we go back to the trust, but verify if you know you're going to have an interview process and it is going to be supported by a background check, you're a lot more likely either to drop out of that process if you know or suspect something's going to pop up, or if you uh, are going to be truthful about everything and bring it all to the table with you, you're a lot more likely to do that. Number five, the reason, the number uh, of the eight great reasons to have background checks for critical role personnel, we're discouraging applicants with something to hide. We talked about that already. I think that's a no brainer, but I want to make sure we're, we're understanding that. There, you may be having people, an influx of people who think, well, it's just a church. It's my local church. So they're not going to check my background. I can easily get in here. How would How would you feel if a sexual predator just slipped in and you didn't do a background check and then gave him or her access to all the children in the Sunday school? Number six, we're eliminating subjectivity. I hate I hate the word subjectivity in the church safety and security space, but I see so much of it out there around the nation. When I travel doing risk assessments or training at churches around the nation, I see a ton of subjectivity in uh, your plans, your policies, your procedures, because it's just a knee-jerk reaction, or we're going to wait till we have to deal with something to actually deal with it. No, we don't want to do that in church safety and security, because if we are going to start mitigating risks, we've got to professionalize that and get away from all that subjectivity. Um, you know, hiring a friend of a friend, or this is my uh, cousin's sister and she's really good and she's, she loves kids. Now we take the subjectivity out of it when we ha- when we do background checks. Number seven of the eight great, we're going to be objective. This is a great word to have in your church safety and security ministry. We are going to be objective in everything we do. What does that mean? We're planning in advance. We're going to have good written plans, policies, and procedures. We're going to have quality, qualified training to those plans, policies, and procedures, and we're going to make it all insurable. We're going to be objective in the hiring process uh, versus relying on a good feeling about somebody when we do good background checks and interviews. Number eight of the eight great. We're going to prevent the trap of, we don't have enough people. So I just need to get somebody in here. Now, when we have objective plans, policies, and procedures that say you're not working with kids until you have a background check and have gone through an interview process, then we're being objective in that. And it's as safe as possible. And we're, we're keeping our ministry aligned in the way that it needs to be aligned. Anything to add to that, uh, Rich?
1: Pass the background check. That is the foundation of the people you're going to have in, in the ministry. But above and beyond that, the facility itself, having a professional give you a risk assessment on that. If you're planning on building a new church, bring somebody into the circle that's that has a security background. One of the things when I go into a church and and just the standard old way you enter a church is from the back. Well, right. you know, those of us in our careers, we don't want our back to any door. So that's it always bothers me going into a church on where I'm going to sit. If I was designing churches, everybody would enter from one side and they would exit the other side, and that way, wherever I'm sitting in the church, I can see who's coming in those doors during the service. Instead of somebody coming in behind me, I can't see. So just little things like that. And back in my crime prevention days, we used to say lighting was the cheapest security. Well, today, yeah. cameras cameras are the cheapest security. Where oh, I yeah. live, where I live in the Pacific Northwest now, we had a pastor a few years ago that got shot after church. He walked out of the building and standing next to his car and a guy shot him several times with a 45 caliber crystal and he lived through it and he has the, still has the effects of that today and he's you know preaching again and recovering very well but if it was not for the cameras inside that building and outside that building they probably never would have caught the guy that did it
0: yep that's absolutely true and it is you know, it used to be cost prohibitive sometimes, especially when you're talking about a little church, uh, but anymore, the, the, uh, the cots or the commercial off the shelf units, uh, that you can buy Sam's club, Walmart, anything like that is better than nothing. And they come in at a price point that a church really would have to say no for a specific reason. Uh, the, the camera systems nowadays are just uh, so highly functional. They've got great picture, uh, and, and ability, unless you're giving it to us in law enforcement, then sometimes it's, it, it's just always grainy for some reason. Uh, but the, the off-the-shelf systems, if you can get into that, I highly recommend that. If, you don't, if you're telling me you don't have enough people on your church safety and security team right now, then a camera system with a pan, tilt, and zoom camera can take up some of those positions that you're currently lacking, uh, especially if you have someone monitoring that. That's the other key component to that. You have to have someone monitoring that. Missy beinzel Hey, oh, Missy. I'm seeing all sorts of friends in here tonight. Gosh, we know some of the most famous people. That, <laughs> what'd she Missy? say? Oh, my, my early career life has just joined up. Guy and I went to the academy together. Absolutely. I tormented her the whole time uh, and worked together. And Rick was my lieutenant at Travis County. She's such a wonderful person.
1: She is. She is.
0: I have to say that because I'm on camera, but behind the scenes, you know, there's some <laughs> other stories.
1: This is awesome. <laughs> See, meet my old friends on, on this broadcast. This is cool.
0: Oh, yeah. This is, this is a great format for it, too. Tim Pickett, I, I enjoy you joining us from uh, Fairfield, Pennsylvania, Liberty Worship Center. Chris from La Jolla, California. I always enjoy seeing you on here. Uh, such a pleasure to be there with you guys uh, and gals out there. Uh, I hope your singing career is going very well as well. All right. So anything you want to add before we close out, Rick?
1: Just to add what you just said about cameras, the last camera system I installed for a church was a a box system from Costco that worked magnificently. Same one I have in my house is working for the church.
0: Yep, absolutely. Amen to that. Uh, So, okay, uh, best question. How can people contact you for more information uh, or if they want to get into some of your training?
1: RickWhitehead.com. It's real simple. It's my name.com, RickWhitehead.com. Uh, We talked a little bit about statement analysis tonight. I have an online class that anybody can take that's linked on the front page of my website that that takes you into the dissecting the words that people use and back to the our bodies are in conflict when we lie. Well, we also change the words that we use when we lie, and that's done subconsciously. And that class teaches you how to watch out for those words when they change.
0: Oh, that's perfect. Guys and gals, I can't encourage you highly enough to go to Rick's website and sign up for that class alone and see what else he has to offer over there. And, of course, what I will tell you to do after you leave Protectors Toolkit Facebook page, navigate over to his Facebook page and hit that Like button for him as well. Uh, That tells people in the community that he's a trustworthy guy and trustworthy source to go to. And uh, algorithms of Facebook are the algorithms of Facebook. The more we can like the people and companies and support them, the better it is for those companies. So it's very simple to do. Navigate over there and hit that like button on his Facebook page. You guys rock, says Missy. When are you coming this way? Uh, we're I, th- I think we're just going to have to sit and break some bread at some point. I'll be there in June. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very good. I'm going to close us out here with all of our, eh, you know, the things that get us paid, I guess. Uh, if you're new, make sure you, lo- you sign up and subscribe to Protectors Toolkit. Go to the Go to the website, protectorstoolkit.com. Also go to all of our social media. Go to the YouTube page, navigate over there, Protectors Toolkit on YouTube. Hit that like button. Also hit the subscribe button, the bell down there, so you get all the notifications whenever we show up with new content. Don't forget to check out our podcast, Word and a Weapon, on all podcast platforms, Word and a Weapon. I give you a piece of the word, something that impacted my day that day, that week, that month, and then I give you a weapon, something you can take in your daily walk as a Christian uh, for safety and security. Go over to the membership site. Of course, I want you to go to the membership site. That is done for you training. Are you looking to get some training for your team? Are you looking to build, develop, and lead your church safety and security team, but you don't have the time? Guess what? I'm going to give you the only thing you can't buy, and that's time, time back in your day. Go over there right now. Use promo code Warrior Wednesday. promo code Warrior Wednesday to get your first month at only 10 dollars we're booking now for our 2021 live in-person classes guess what we're coming to your church to do the training for you and for your team and for all the other churches in the area and if you are hosting the training i'm going to work hard to give you up to a 500 grant back to your church yes i said that right i'm going to give you 500 back to your church to your team to use however you want to, just for hosting a course for us. Don't forget, we also do virtual risk assessments. If you need it for the Department of Homeland Security grant that's out right now, see us on our Facebook page hit send us a message there or hit us up on protectorstoolkit.com and we will set you up with a virtual risk assessment so you can get that up and added to your grant situation. Uh, Ray Coach, thanks for a good evening. Make sure you go and like and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms and navigate over to amazon.com for Warrior Wisdom, the book Warrior Wisdom, where all your note-taking takes place. Thanks again. Thanks, Rick, for being here tonight. Thank you all for joining us and make sure you share this to bless somebody. Keep them safe, Warriors.
1: Thanks for having me. God bless you.